Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. Kind of a strange uh, scenario <laughs> for this week's episode. Um, the Walk Show has officially been out for a year now. Uh, we just crossed the year mark a few days ago. Uh, so those of you that have been listening, especially you know since the beginning, really appreciate it. And as always, uh, I, I just I can't thank you enough. And as always, I can't thank Misha Zarens enough uh, for, for providing the music for the walk show and, and being as involved as he has. Um, and there's just been a lot of a lot of people who have been really, really awesome. Um, and I, I don't want to start naming ind- specific individuals because I know I'll forget someone and I don't I don't want to get into that mess. Um, but, yeah, if you you know, if you're reaching out to me and you're hitting me up about the show, you know who you are. And uh, it, it means more to me than that. I know how to express, honestly. Um, I really, really enjoy doing the podcast and it's a lot of fun. Um, and the reason I said that today's show is a bit strange is that, um, as excited as I am that we've had the podcast for a year and as much as I've loved doing it, um, just the, the, this past, the previous weekend, um, in January 26th of 2020, Kobe Bryant passed away and, uh, I've talked about my, you know, fandom of Kobe Bryant on this show before and anyone who knows me knows that I'm you know I'm the biggest Kobe Bryant fan I know now that being said there are plenty of other people <laughs> who who are probably bigger Kobe Bryant fans but but that's not the point of this the point is that um it's 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 sad to that Kobe's gone and it's uh he was someone who was an inspiration to a lot of people and who was uh yeah just significant to me personally. I, I became a Kobe fan, I don't know, probably close to I don't know, over 10 years ago at this point. And, um, and yeah, have just enjoyed, enjoyed following him since I, I kind of started. Uh, and the, the other person who kind of was right there with me that whole time is, is my best friend, Chris Crabtree. So I asked him to, to stop by today and, uh, and record an episode just, Kind of sharing our thoughts about what Kobe meant to us and, and what his passing means. And, um, you know, it's something I say during our conversation, but I, you know, on the one hand, is, is, is sad and as affected by it as I am. I also, I feel a sense of, um, I don't know, I don't know if responsibility is the right word. That's probably a little too heavy, but I feel like it's important to keep in perspective the relationship that I had with Kobe Bryant and that's that I was a fan, right? I wasn't, I didn't know him. <laughs> I'd never met him. I'd never went to a, a Kobe Bryant basketball camp or something. And not that that would have really made me any closer to him, but the point is just, he was always just someone who I saw on TV, right? Or, or listened to, or maybe read something that he had written or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and, and that doesn't diminish the, the importance of him to me, but there are people that actually knew him that are really struggling with it, you know, and there are, there, there's a family that he left behind. Um, and there were other families on board that aircraft that, that I don't know who they are. I mean, yeah, I've seen their names, but I, I just mean, they're not, they're not celebrities. Right. So I have no connection to them. Um, and so my point is just, yeah, that there's some, some real tragedy there and I don't want to try and insert myself into that, um, in that way. So, um, yeah, with that being said, though, I, I really, like I said, I really enjoyed uh, the conversation I got to have with Chris about it. Um, Kobe was was very significant to both of us. Um, 
like I said at the beginning, you know, thank you again, Misha Zarens, for providing the music for today's show. And, 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 you know, really, this is an example, though, of kind of why, um, why I wanted to start the walk show, because I wanted to be able to have a voice at a time like this, or be able to have uh, a platform to, to share, you know, my thoughts and, and the thoughts of those other people like Chris Crabtree that are important to me on stuff that's important to us. Um, and, and, you know, maybe it resonates with someone else out there, but uh, either way, again, thank you so much for tuning in and without further ado, let's get on with the episode. All right, Chris Crabtree, welcome to the walk show. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I asked you to come on. Obviously, as I said in the intro about, uh, you know, the passing of Kobe Bryant on uh, Sunday, the twenty sixth. Yeah, it's very tragic and sad. I, I actually didn't know what to say when you texted me. I I thought it was a joke. I mean, it just seemed so crazy. Right. Yeah, I'm sitting there. So I'm playing backgammon. I don't know if you've ever played backgammon, <laughs> but it's a, yeah. an old game. But I'm sitting there playing backgammon with my mom. And I get a text message from my sister, and she says, and it just says, bro, dash, Kobe, OMG, and then, like, shocked face. Oh. Or whatever, like, uh, emoji. Yeah. You know? And I just said, LOL, what about him? He's coming back out of retirement. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't think it was that, but I just figured, I don't know, there was just some media antic that had happened, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, or... I mean, maybe he offended someone. I don't, you know, it's that era, right? I don't no, know. Yeah. And then she just texted, uh, he died this morning in a helicopter crash. Yeah. And I was just, I just immediately Googled it, of course. Yeah. And saw the headline right away. And then my phone just blew up. Mm. I just got, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many, t- I mean, it's not like I got a hundred texts. I'm not that popular, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I got, I, you know, 10, I don't know, a lot of texts. Yeah. Just all back to back from people because everyone knows I'm a huge Kobe fan, right? right? right. Um, and yeah, and I was just, I was just kind of stunned. Yeah, I did the same thing. Uh, I immediately started looking, you know, for the news articles, and uh, and I, I didn't know at first that his daughter was didn't either in the helicopter as well. Yeah, thirteen. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what's. I mean, Kobe's. You know, I mean, he's been relevant since. 1996 when he was drafted in the NBA, I think, in, in the national spotlight, at least among sports fans, you know, for sure, but and NBA fans more specifically, but um, he retired in 2016, but he stayed relevant even after his retirement. I mean, he won an Oscar. Yeah. Like two yeah. years later. And then in this last year, and especially these last like three, four months, like this NBA season, there's been different videos and pictures of him at NBA games with his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna. Yeah, I guess uh, he became more involved in, like, her basketball uh, career. Yeah. Uh, I think he was helping coaching her team or something yeah, like that. he was. But uh, I, I couldn't find very much about the actual helicopter crash. I mean, maybe more will come out. Yeah. But um, I heard uh, that it was really foggy. Right. When they were flying, and... Uh, Potentially like going around the fog or something like that, and then ended up just uh, hitting like a 
a mountain or something. A hill or something. Yeah, a large landmass. Yeah, I, I I know that. So I watched the um, I don't remember what the title was. The sheriff from L.A. County spoke at one bar, whatever. I don't even know it was L.A. County, whatever. The sheriff and some other, you know, law enforcement type official or whatever gave a press conference in which they and it, but it was bef- they weren't announcing that it was Kobe. So they were giving this mm-hmm. announcement prior to it being confirmed that it was Kobe and, oh, and the okay. people he was traveling with. Yeah. So they were talking about it just very objectively there was an accident there are no survivors mm-hmm. um we're not sure what happened there was a lot of fog it was so foggy that i guess the lapd had grounded all of their helicopters oh for that time okay but as of now i don't know that we can conclusively say that it's because of the fog i mean it could have very well been right but there could have been some other i mean they just haven't finished investigating the helicopter yeah they could have been some sort of malfunction who knows right i mean i would like to think that you know that he had a a good pilot so i'm sure you know yeah well i mean so he flew his helicopter i mean when i say that he didn't i I don't believe he piloted a helicopter ever i don't know but i I don't think he drove himself in the helicopter like it was (laughs) his car but like he didn't he didn't drive to the Staples Center when he played. Yeah, this he helicopter, helicopter thing was I mean he's been doing it for for a long Ever. time, yeah. Right. Cuz he lives like 2 hours away from the Staples Center. Mm-hmm. Well, at least by traffic. You know, I don't know that it's 2 hours <laughs> if you were to have mm-hmm. normal traffic, but in LA traffic it would be a long drive commute to get there to the right. games and stuff. So yeah, he just flew. Um and yeah, same thing they were headed out to to a basketball game, I guess. Yeah. And it was him and his daughter and then another husband and wife and their daughter that I think maybe was a another coach or something. Yeah, the I think it man. was someone that was on Gina's team, maybe. Yeah. But, yeah, I can't even imagine, you know, it's like something so routine as far as going to a game or, um, you know, a friend of, of the daughter. It's like, hey, I want to ride in the helicopter, you know. And, right. I mean, it's something so innocent like that, and it turned so bad. Yeah, well, and I mean, you know, obviously I've, you know, my sister came on the walk show a couple months ago, and we did a whole episode about, you know, the passing of my dad back in 2004, and and how much that shook me, and anyone that knows me knows that's, you know, something I refer to quite a bit as a really significant moment in my life, as it obviously would be for anyone. And so it's not like I don't personally understand... Um, the the fragility of life right that it can just be gone and to be clear (laughs) as sad as i am that kobe's gone i mean obviously in no way compares i didn't know him right so it's not personal in that way so it doesn't compare to the loss of my dad in any way but it's still it's still something that like and you know there's a lot to unpack i'm sure with our celebrity culture in america and all that stuff but like I don't know. I just never thought Kobe would die. Yeah. I mean, mean, as crazy and stupid as that sounds to say out loud, like, and he's only five years older than we are. Right. You know, like he's not, he's not 70, 80, 90, you know, he's 41. And and it feels so strange because, um, I know for me personally, I've always held Kobe as this higher standard of like work ethic and, you know, someone that could conquer anything that he decided that he wanted to be successful at. Yeah. And, um, 
I don't know, it just kind of brings everything into perspective in that way because it's like no matter how much you're going to strive to, you know, be the best person you can be, like there's still things that, that we can't control um, in yeah. that way. Yeah, I mean, it's probably unlikely that any of us, you know, at least the vast majority get in a helicopter accident because <laughs> right. we're not in one. Yeah. But a car accidents happen every day. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, but it's something that you don't think about, you know, when you're just commuting. It's just such a routine thing that... Yeah. And, and if you were constantly thinking about, oh, I might wreck or something like that, then arguably it might make it harder to drive around, but... Yeah, I mean, to some, I mean, that's, I don't know, it's kind of like that's, um, that's kind of like the risk of the vulnerability of being alive, right, is the, the capacity to, despite, like, you know, there's, there's two, there's kind of two things, right, that, that, that we hold all the time, and, and one of them is, like, live every day like it's your last, mm-hmm. right, but not really, because, Everyone wants to probably make sure they can eat tomorrow. Right. You know, and next week. And you want to pay your light bill and your house payment in a few weeks or next month. Or, is it right? So mm-hmm. is... is um, You're constantly making these long-term yeah. plans or adjustments. Yeah. Based on, you know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Right. Yeah. But I think that... You know, Dylan Barr um, is a, a guy who's been on the, the show a couple of times, and he shared a quote, uh, that I believe, from the Dalai Lama that was, um, man will sacrifice his health to gain wealth, and then later in life sacrifices wealth to try and save his health, mm-hmm. and live as if he's never going to die. And then die without ever really having to li- having lived. Hmm. And and I think what that's speaking to to some extent is this idea of like, it, it, it is important to hold. The to hold them in balance. I mean that's something that Dylan Barr shared with me, and you know not that he. I mean, Yin Yang's been around for a long time, so not that Dylan Barr came up with the idea of balance, but but he really emphasized it in our conversation, and since then it's really stuck with me. And it's a yet another example, I think, where the answer is actually just both. It's that you do have to live for the future because mm-hmm. otherwise <laughs> tomorrow's going to suck if you're wrong and you make it to tomorrow, right? Yeah. But you also do kind of have to to appreciate that there is an end. And it might not be today. Yeah. Could be. Right. But there is an end. Yeah. It's not forever. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I don't know how to, I, I've kind of, I'm kind of confused to be honest on how kind of how to react to this because, you know, anyone that's listened to the show and anyone that's heard you on the show before, I mean, we've talked about a video game and then we talked about tool, right? <laughs> right. And tool is like, like our, um, like we hold it in the highest regard of all music mm-hmm. and maybe even all art, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and Kobe isn't a musician or an artist in that way, mm-hmm. but like Kobe is like tool, yeah, to me and to you, I think, right? Right, right. Um, the I don't know what you would think of as, yeah, the highest level of 
craft. Yeah. Um, I mean, his his was basketball, but he approached it in a way that was, um, you know, not just physical, um, mentally, and always trying to pay attention to the strategy of it all, and and um, always trying to, you know, get better, I guess, and learn from other people um, that came before him that were also great. Um, but also trying to play his own way and make it his his own style. Like, I mean, adapting to, you know, what he learned to... That way he could uh, do what he did on the court, I guess. Yeah, well, I think in the case of Tool and Kobe both, like, it's a... Uh... It's a thing where, like, it's not fair to say that Tool doesn't make music for other people to listen to, because they certainly do, right? They didn't just make it for themselves to listen to, yeah. because they sell it and go on tour, and you know what I mean? Like, it's for others. But I don't feel like they, when they make it, that they make it with others in mind. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, they make what they think they want to make. Yeah. And I think that that, again, it's hard to compare music and basketball directly, but I think that that's how Kobe approached basketball was like, I mean, yeah, he has to be on a team and, and whatever, mm -hmm. but like in the end, like, which is kind of what you were just saying, like it, it, it's like he's doing it his own way and it, he's doing it. Like, he's, it's not that he won't listen to advice, and if he thinks, I mean, like, he famously reached out to Hakeem Olajuwon, who's a, a center from the 90s, and yeah. Kobe's a guard from the 90s, you know what I mean? Like, right. totally different position, but Hakeem Olajuwon's, like, the master of post moves, mm -hmm. so he wants to learn that. Yeah. He talked about, I don't remember what year it was now, probably nine or 20, 2009 or 2010, but talked about, uh, he talked about stealing some move from Tim Duncan in an interview. He called it swagger jacking. <laughs> he said he swagger jacked. Tim Duncan's move, you know, like, <laughs> but so it's not that he wasn't, that he thought that he was the, the exclusively the owner of all good things and that no one else had anything to offer. Like, it's not, it's not about an arrogance like that. It's more just about like, just a, an unwavering confidence and belief in himself mm -hmm. that he can do it. And, and also, um, like a, a humility to understand what you're weak in. Yeah. Um, Understanding that, well, I'm going to have to maybe transition into more post-play, so let's find out how to do that the best I can do. Right. It's, it's interesting. So just last week, uh, I talked briefly about uh, this baseball card shop that I used to go to with my dad here on the walk show. I, I talked about it. And um, and I talked about how that was kind of what spurned my Allen Iverson fandom. Oh, right. Um, and I talked about how it was interesting because Iverson was like my first, you know, NBA player that I fell in love with. Yeah. If you will. Mm-hmm. And the, how it was kind of different than, than Kobe, which was the second, right? Right. Because with Kobe, it was more like, 
it almost started like intellectually. Mm-hmm. Like eventually it was emotional. There was yeah. an emotional connection as well. Yeah. But initially it was more kind of an intellectual thing where I was intrigued. Whereas with Iverson, I was a kid. My dad's buddy told me about him. Mm-hmm. I had access to his cards. I could watch him. Yeah. And I thought he was super cool. Right. And it was kind of fun to be an Allen Iverson fan because not everyone was an Allen Iverson fan. Like, yeah. it wasn't like being a Michael Jordan fan. Like, everyone was a Michael Jordan fan <laughs> when we were kids, you know? Right. And not that I didn't like Michael Jordan, but just like, I don't know, it wasn't it wasn't cool to be a Michael Jordan fan. But I thought it was cool to be an Allen Iverson fan because mm. not that many people knew about him when he, you know, when he was a rookie or whatever. I mean, again, not that I'm like the Allen Iverson discoverer or something, but just... Yeah. You know, I mean, he was the number one pick in the draft. Again, I get it. <laughs> it's a common theme here where I tell everyone about stuff that's super popular for a long time, <laughs> you know? Like, like I did an episode, I don't know how long ago now, but several, where I was like, I don't know if anyone here has seen Black Mirror. Mm. It's been out since, like, 2011 or something, you know? But, yeah. But I just watched it, so. <laughs> but anyway, like, and so it was interesting because just last week I was comparing Iverson and Kobe, and I was kind of nostalgic about Iverson because of the connection to my dad and my childhood and collecting the cards and all that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But the but the truth is that, like, you know, and I have the autographed picture of Iverson on the wall, right? And, like, and Iverson will always hold a special place in my heart as far as a, a fan, but... But my fandom of Iverson kind of really only extended to the basketball court. Like, I was just a fan of Iverson on the court. Right. Iverson off the court is kind of hard to be a fan of, honestly, because he's, especially then. I mean, yeah. now it's different. Yeah. But when he was young, like, uh, you know, he made a lot of really just selfish, seemingly selfish decisions. Yeah. Kobe was called selfish because he shot too much. Mm. Iverson literally wouldn't practice. <laughs> Whereas Kobe famously worked harder in practice than he even did in games. Yeah. Right. Practicing before games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, and, like, the intensity with which he played in practice, mm-hmm. they say, was, like, you know, again, game level or more. Yeah. And Jordan was the same way. Right. Um, but, yeah, but with Kobe, like, and it, it and that's why it, took, to tie, it ties back to Tool again, is that, like, with Kobe, I don't know that I was actually a... I think I actually was a bigger fan of Kobe's personality for lack of or character yeah than I even was of his basketball like him like what he did on the court was just like a manifestation or an expression of the character that he portrayed himself to be off the court mm-hmm. at least publicly again I don't know the guy I don't know how he is with his family and stuff I mean yeah yeah so I don't and I, and I say that over and over just because that's like I said earlier. I'm confused on how to feel because it's sad because this guy is like an icon to me. Like it, like the only equivalent death I can imagine is if I would have texted you and said Maynard just died in a helicopter accident, right? Or Danny Carey even, or something. You know, someone from Tool. Yeah. But that's about it from a celebrity standpoint that I can think of. Where maybe Chappelle. Yeah, Chappelle. Chappelle would be there. Yeah. Chappelle, Kobe, Tool. I don't, maybe, maybe for me personally, which I know this wouldn't be for you, but like maybe meet for me like a Malcolm Gladwell, maybe, you know, but, but that's a lot more recent. Mm -hmm. Gladwell's a lot more recent for me than these others, you know? (laughs) Yeah. These others have been, you know, long time, long time fans of, and 
I don't know. It it just feels feels so strange. Yeah. Well, and so like with Iverson, what's it? The thing that's interesting about Iverson. So Iverson and Kobe are the same draft class. Iverson's number one pick. Kobe's thirteenth. Right. Ninety six. So they came into the league at the same time, and they were, and they were compared often. And the thing about Iverson that everyone loves as him as a player is that he, he killed himself to play. Like he was the hardest playing dude every night. And yeah. he was probably the smallest dude every night. Yeah. And when Kobe was in the league, I mean, for the first 10 years that Kobe was in the league, I was not a Kobe Bryant fan. I wasn't either. Um, it, it was uh, something that was later developed. And also, there was a, a stretch there where I wasn't even paying attention to basketball very much. Yeah. And I think that's probably part of part of it is because Kobe is what brought me back. Same, right. Both of us together. Yeah. 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 Um especially in you know that that run where they win the championship against the Celtics. Yeah, um, it started well so we started watching him again at the end of 07. Mhm. Because it's towards the end of 07 that they get Pau Gasol, the 07 season. And then the following year, he wins MVP. Mm -hmm. They go to the finals and lose to Boston. Right. Then the next year, they go to the finals, beat Orlando, then go again and beat Boston in 10. Yeah, so it's like that that redemption run Mm -hmm. um, really solidified it. It was like, I mean, I was all on board, you know, paying attention again. But then to be able to see him overcome that challenge. Yeah. Especially against yeah Boston again in the finals, right? And and come out the victor. It was it was pretty magical. It was, well. So and and so the reason I bring up Iverson and like how his work ethic was the reason that he was popular. Well, the reason that I didn't like Kobe when I was when he was younger and, and I obviously was too, but um, for that first ten years or so was my impression of him mm-hmm. was that he was like some arrogant, uh, more flash than substance kind of guy, you know, like I knew he won with the Lakers. Now I was also a huge Iverson fan when Iverson went to the finals against Kobe and got destroyed by the Lakers. (laughs) Right. So there's also some part of me that I, you know, I can't be a Lakers fan because I'm a Sixers fan and they got beat and that's my, you know, they did, they did get one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but they didn't get four, <laughs> and they got they got beat the next four yeah. in a row. Yeah. Actually, yeah. so, um, but anyway, so like, I thought that Kobe was this like I mean, for lack of a better term, like kind of a punk, I guess you know I don't like a I thought he was in the same I thought he ultimately was going to be the same type of player that we now can look back and see. That like Stefan Marbury was, mm-hmm. or that Steve Francis was. Yeah, where there's a lot of talent, but and they might might have some solid years, right? And and even um, in Kobe's situation, I mean, he won championships with Shaq and everything. But um, what what really separates him, I think, is really when he starts transitioning, and I don't know like how I would describe it, but becoming more more of a leader yes um and kind of understanding team dynamics and interacting with people and yes. uh, just becoming more conscious of, of that thing um i don't know the way it shaped him 
coming out, you know, through that process. Well, yeah, I mean, he and he's talked about it some, and, and Phil Jackson's talked about it, but, you know, they talked about how when Shaq was there, Kobe could just focus on himself because Shaq was the, the leader glue guy. Mm-hmm. The guy who made people feel important and made people feel part of the team and... Yeah. And like, you know, almost like, like, like he's the, 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 the officer and Kobe's just like the hotshot pilot or something, you yeah, know, yeah. like, but he's not the, the colonel or whatever. That's mm-hmm. Shaq. Well then I guess we should say general because of Shaq's cheesy insurance commercials. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So, so then Shaq leaves and I think for those first, you know, three years, mm-hmm. oh, 05, 06, and, and, and then through 07, I think Kobe thought he was going to lead by example purely. Yeah. Yeah. And then that didn't work. Right. I and mean, they didn't make the playoffs one year. Yeah. Um, and it takes like, <laughs> I don't know, it says something about teams and it's like you kind of just need that... Um, person that's that's more outgoing that's just like not afraid to be vocal and able to build chemistry you know not just you should do this and do this on the basketball court but also be able to connect you know personally and I don't like I don't know Shaq personally but he seems very outgoing and willing to have fun and joke around and Mm -hmm. and the effect that has on on other people you know by bringing them together and making them feel part of something right and i think um yeah early on kobe didn't understand that maybe yeah well i think he didn't have to when shaq was there yeah and then once shaq leaves yeah i think he doesn't he doesn't understand that but he talked about that and and talked about how he had to kind of learn that, like, oh, I've got to step into that role. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not going to do it the way Shaq did it. Right. Because he's not that personality. But he's going to make a sarcastic comment and then, you know, laugh a little bit. Like, there's a famous clip where he's in practice with Sha- Sasha Vujicic. Yeah. Exactly how you say it. And he says, don't touch me the rest of the practice. <laughs> and then Sasha immediately touches him. Uh-huh. And he's like, I said, don't touch me. And elbows him super hard. <laughs> And from his face and his tone, it seems like Kobe's, like, really bullying this dude. Yeah. For lack, you know, I mean, basically. But Sasha is standing behind him, mm-hmm. and Kobe's looking at some other coach, and the camera is facing Kobe, of course. So Sasha can't see Kobe's face, and he winks at whatever coach is looking at them. Yeah. So it's like, he's not actually trying to mess with him. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Like, he's teasing him. Right, right. right. And... and... That would be like, yeah, Kobe's way of of teasing. But hey, still mean business, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, so so the long winded point that I've been trying to get to is that I think actually, so what we eventually got really attracted to in Kobe is what we've been talking about. It was his determination, his commitment, his consistency, his motivate work effort, all these things. Yeah. And the thing that I just I I then realized after I became a fan of Kobe's was that I was wrong about who he was. In the beginning, like he never was more style than substance. He never was a Steve Francis or a Stefan Marbury. Like he was always that guy. Yeah. He just didn't. He just didn't have that. He didn't have the 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 rags to riches story, mm-hmm. right? He came in. I mean, he took Brandy to his prom. 
Yeah. When he was a senior in high school, right? Like right. Alan Iverson wasn't doing that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he just had a different a different story, so it looked different, but he was that dude the whole time. For sure. For and sure. and yeah, I just feel I, I just I feel like Kobe I'm so glad that I became a Kobe fan because I mean and I don't know if I'll ever I don't know if I'll ever get to have those moments again with any other athlete because as I get older, I just I think I find it harder and harder to believe in them in the same way. Mm. And I think part of it's age. Yeah. Like when we became Kobe fans, we were like early twenties. Right. And he was like just about to turn thirty. Yeah. So he's he's a few years older than us, but mm-hmm. he's still older than us. Right. But like when I'm fifty and am I gonna be able to when I'm fifty, am I gonna be able to look at a twenty three or twenty five year old person and be like, Man, really, really believe in you know, like Yeah. I feel I like know. I'll still look at it like Dame Lillard, for example, I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Now Dame isn't Kobe. Mm-hmm. But like, would I ever be able to get into the mental space with Dame Lillard that I did with Kobe? Like, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know that I could look up to him in the way that I did Kobe. Yeah, you know. Yeah, or I mean, no offense, people younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or like Giannis. Yeah, and 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 it. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair because Kobe also had to grow. I mean, he did. it required a lot of experience in the NBA and probably a lot of life experience also. And, I mean, he wasn't, by the, you know, in the beginning, he wasn't, definitely wasn't where he is, you know, as he progressed through his career toward the end. Yeah. And so it's hard to, I don't know, say what a player's trajectory would be, you know. Yeah. Well, and th- and that's the thing too is that it's like, you know, Col- Kobe made such like he really drew some lines in the sand with the way he portrayed himself off the court. Mm. And then was fortunate enough to be able to just completely back it up on the court. <laughs> so it was just so so satisfying, you know, to yeah. watch like to like when they won those championships, man, like it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun to be a fan of that. Yeah. And and so yeah, but then beyond that, like I, I mean, I I've I've gobbled up every piece of Kobe media that I could find prior to this prior to now. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly have since yesterday as well, since he passed, but mm-hmm. um but like I couldn't wait for the next twenty years of Kobe Bryant interviews because who knows what we were gonna get? Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I couldn't wait to hear him slowly unpack all these basketball stories that he'd never had told right while he was a player. And like, I like, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I was just I I, I couldn't wait. Mm-hmm. And now, or even you know, just uh, hearing him talk from the perspective of. Uh... His new endeavors, you know. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, going, yeah. doing the company thing and right. the writing thing and the stories and yeah, and uh, just hearing like how passionately he felt about that, and you know, it's just interesting to hear people with amazing characters talk about whatever they're interested in. Yeah. So I was. He was going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame this year. Like I was actually looking forward to watching his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. Yep. And we won't. I wonder what's going to happen with that. Someone, he'll be inducted. Oh, of course. Like, I wonder if, like, Phil Jackson 
will accept it on his behalf. Yeah. Or Fisher, like D, D- Fish. Maybe. You know? Because yeah. that was like his closest boy for a long time in the league. Yeah. D Fish. Um, I mean, Shaq's a possibility, but I would think. Shaq's a possibility, but that almost seems a little like. I don't know. Based on the. the like, I don't feel like he's the first person Kobe would have called to <laughs> say, hey, I can't make it. Can you accept it on my behalf? I don't think true, that's Shaq. True, true. Like, I feel like it's Phil or, or Derek Fisher first. Yeah. Or maybe Rob Palinka, his agent, who's now the GM of the Lakers. It's possible, but I think, I think Phil or Derek because just people are, I don't know if, would be as familiar with Rob. Right. In, right. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, I would go with, yeah, Phil or or Derek. Yeah. But. He was just an incredible character. And it's funny because, like, I always pick, you know, when people ask me, like, what characters or what people I, I find as, like, my heroes, like, I mean, I have heroes in my own personal life. Like, you know, my mom is probably the biggest person that I look to as someone that just overcame adversity time after time and and, and did a lot. And, you know, obviously <laughs> very much helped me mm-hmm. that she's my mom, right? Um, but outside of people that I know personally... Like, Kobe's the only hero that I have that's, that's a real person. Like, mm-hmm. other people that I pick are fiction characters. Because, because the thing that unites all of them is this, this never-compromise mentality that Kobe had. Mm-hmm. And, and it's... He's just the only one that did it for as long as he... Like... Like, that's who Iverson was. He didn't talk about it that way. Yeah. But that's what he showed on the court, was like, I'm never going to give up. Yeah. But once he got a little older and his athleticism wasn't there anymore, and not, I mean, he might just be short enough that there's just, it doesn't matter unless he was going to become Steph Curry, right? Yeah. But he's even shorter than Steph Curry. Yeah. Um, like, Iverson kind of fell apart, and, like, Iverson refused to play off the bench, you know? Mm-hmm. But he hadn't earned a starting spot because he wasn't. He didn't practice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like he eventually he he faded out of the league in a very ungracious way. Right, right. But I, you know, and when he played, he played hard. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's like there's these different levels to the commitment. You know, it's like for the most part, everyone in the NBA is probably playing hard most of the time sure right and then you have these select few that probably play harder than the majority you know and then you get your superstars and everything and yeah but that it seemed like kobe was always able to transcend all of those yeah well i think it's because of i mean what you said you, you said a statement earlier that i heard him say maybe on the podcast i listened to him on a couple of weeks ago which was all the smoke with Matt Barnes and, and Steven Jackson. He's on an episode of that. Mm-hmm. And he talked about like how 
people don't want to work on their weaknesses. Like, they just go yeah. shoot, and it's like, but is shooting the thing that hurts you the most, or is it, like, post-defense? Right. Or is it, whatever it is, is it dribbling left, is it, whatever it is, like, that's, you are the only one that knows what your weakness is. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking about kind of the, the workout culture that exists now, where everyone wants to have a guy that works them out. Yeah. And they do all this, like, agility, conditioning, training stuff, and all this, like, all this stuff that certainly is beneficial, but that is kind of generic. Right. And it's like, that's not what you, like, if, you know, from his perspective, it's like, that's not what you need to work on. Right. You need to work on whatever, whenever you get in the game and you feel like, I hope they don't make me do this, or if this happens, I'm in trouble. That is, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. When you get to that level, it seems like that obviously you're going to be in a a really good physical shape. Like you probably can move around, you have agility and things like that. So the, the amount of gains that you're, you're working towards is probably a lot less as opposed to developing a new skill where now I can shoot threes or now I can do post moves like Hakeem Olajuwon. Like you're adding another skill set to the game that that you already have, mm-hmm. which is good enough to be in the NBA. But then you add more to that game, you know. Which I don't know. It seems like uh, a lot of people maybe have trouble making that transition, yeah, of developing their game or changing their style of play if they need to come off the bench or become a shooter or you know whatever needs to happen, right. Yeah, I listened. Bill, so I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast that he made, uh, you know, the same day that Kobe passed, and he talked in it about how typically for NBA players they're good for about ten years, mm-hmm. and then the grind of playing that much just kicks in. Yeah, and that Kobe played for about the ten years and then found a way to extend his prime by like another five or six years. Mm-hmm. And it's because of what you're talking about, where he's willing to adapt his game and change his game. And Yeah. I mean, he always could dunk, right? Yeah, right. I mean, even in 2012, which was probably his last fully healthy season, mm-hmm. he was still dunking and, you know, all that kind of catching oops or whatever. I mean, it's not like he couldn't move right. at that point. Yeah. Um, but I think he had turned into way more of a shooter than a slasher yeah. by that point. Well, and and also developing your understanding of the game where you may be getting um, so many baskets off your athleticism, you know, fast breaks, dunks, alley-oops, things like that. But once you have a better understanding of the game and positioning, now you're going to certain spots to try and get certain shots Mm -hmm. and maybe being more surgical about it. Um, And so, yeah, if you train in post moves and though it's like, well, I got the matchup I want I can go to the block I can get this post move off and now you got almost a guaranteed bucket or at least a a good shot yeah um I don't know I mean it seems like being able to to have those options just just makes you that much more harder to defend right right yeah I think that um I think that we will probably never see another player 
like Kobe Bryant. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like Kawhi Leonard in the last couple of years has generated comparisons to Michael Jordan, and Kobe yeah. is obviously like the closest thing to Michael Jordan we've ever had. Right. But and now, I mean, Kawhi is incredibly talented, so it's not that his skill is not appropriate or something, but like. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that he's that guy that Kobe is. I mean, he like Kobe wouldn't take games off, right? Kobe yeah. wouldn't, and, and and Kobe stayed at one team. Now he did request a trade in like '07, I think, yeah, uh, which they didn't make, obviously. But um, I don't know. I just don't know that we'll see it. Maybe we will. He's like the one of the last old school players. Yes. Um. Because when he came into the league, you know, it's, there was still that physicality. Hand-checking. Yeah, there was still that we play every game. Hard fouls. Mentality. Yep. Yeah. And so that's how he had to learn the NBA game and kept it, you know, that philosophy throughout. But now with people coming in, um, it's just not as physical. And, you know advances in medicine it's you know we got to rest and and mm-hmm. all this this stuff so which arguably might be good you Could know be. to lengthen careers and everything but yeah i don't know there's a certain grit to being able to think of it that way where you're you're just going to play every game as hard as you can and no matter what well i heard him talk about it and i thought it was really um i thought it was a really appropriate sentiment and this was when he was still playing, but he said, you know, if I can get out there, if I can, if I can do it. And now sometimes he was injured in ways that he couldn't. Like if you've got a knee injury or something, you might just not be able to, to get around the court. Yeah. But if he could do it, if he could get out there and play, even if he was sick or tired or whatever, he was like, I mean, the tickets are pretty expensive. And there's probably someone in the stands where it's the only time they're ever going to see a Laker game. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like everyone's a season ticket holder, right? Yeah. So there's probably some kid who's in the stands who's never going to be there again, and they cannot wait to see Kobe Bryant play. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to sit out because he he's a little tired, you know? Like, yeah. What's that? How is that respectful to the fan? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that's been lost in the modern NBA is that. Everything is has turned into servicing almost like this, the media narrative mm-hmm. about players as opposed to just the people who actually pay for the media and the players, which are the fans. Yeah, the supporters. Yeah. yeah. Like I heard, like they were talking about the All-Star game the other day on something I was listening to, and they were talking about how they think that it should actually just go back to a 100% fan vote. Mm-hmm. Which they went away from because people like Allen Iverson were getting voted to be All Star starters when they weren't even they were in the league, yeah, but they weren't even playing, right? Right, you know, yeah. Or Tracy McGrady when he was well past his prime, still mm-hmm. getting voted, right? And they were like, but honestly, like the All Star game is just an exhibition that no one really cares about anyway, as far as the players and stuff. Yeah, so if they want to see, so just whoever. make it whatever the fans want, right? If yeah. they want to see T Mac come out and shoot around when he's not at the best, like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why not? Because what else is for the fans anymore? And I think that there's some truth to that. And I think, and I was really surprised that Kobe, coming from an NBA player background, mm-hmm. coming from a guy who went straight to the NBA as soon as he graduated high school, mm-hmm. so he's been enormously wealthy and secluded from 
normal life from his whole life. Yeah. That he still had the capacity to understand the significance to someone who makes 30 grand a year, someone who, you know what I mean? Someone who isn't a millionaire, you know? Yeah. Someone I mean, who makes an average salary. It seems like it would be really easy if you're in that position as a professional athlete to just not even consider you know someone who is just a, a fan in the stands you know and right. and what that actually means to them right you know it's like well i need to take care of my body because if i don't then i'm not going to be able to continue to make my millions or or whatever but um yeah like when he played most of the season with a broken finger yeah it was constantly like having to read pretty it. sure that's the year that they beat boston right yeah, <laughs> yeah. A whole, whole year a broken finger like different tape jobs to try and get work on his different shooting to see what felt better than yep. something else yeah and i mean or even when he tore that achilles and still went to the free throw line and I made know. those free throws i know um I mean, that was... That, that was just was, one of the most ultimate Kobe moments ever. I don't know, that was just something. like, what, dude? He's like, no, I'm going to shoot these. There's so many Kobe stories that are good. It's hard to say that there's a favorite or something, but I do have some that I wanted to to to, to just bring up again, just because they're fun to to relive. One would be whenever they were playing the Suns in the playoffs, and this was the one that was always my my most famous Kobe story. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, and it's not his most famous story at all, but it was my favorite Kobe story. <laughs> Uh, and that was, and it's, again, now it's in the mix with others, but for a long time, this was it. And it was, there was a guy named Raja Bell who used to guard Kobe in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And Raja Bell, if you're not an NBA fan, you've never heard of. And if you're an NBA fan, you still might not have, (laughs) especially if you didn't watch it 12 years ago, right? Because that guy hasn't been relevant for a long time. And even when he was in quotes relevant, he wasn't a star. He was just a role player on a team. Mm -hmm. And Rajah Bell talked all this crazy mess about Kobe and how he was going to shut him down and Kobe was overrated and he wasn't going to score and blah, blah, blah. And so then they go into the locker room with Kobe. I think it was after practice or something and ask him, uh, you know, hey, Rajah Bell said blah, blah, blah about you. What do you have to say to that? And he said, who? (laughs) And they were like, you know, Rajah Bell. And he's like, never heard of him. (laughs) Which he definitely knew who he was. They play against each other, all, you know, multiple times a season, yeah. multiple years in a row in the playoffs. So he definitely knows who he is. But just that that level of dismissiveness is just like, 
Ooh, that is so good. Like, yeah. that's so much better than anything else you could have said. Yeah. It's kind of like when LeBron James went to the Heat and one of the and everyone villainized LeBron like he had killed someone for switching teams in free agency. And a reporter asked him, how do you live with yourself knowing that you betrayed your old team or the city of Cleveland or whatever? And he said, look, man, I, at the end of the day, I wake up every day and I'm LeBron James. And you wake up and you're whoever you are. So that's how I deal with it. And it's like, that's actually the cold, hard reality. Yeah. You know, like, say what you want. Try and be involved in whatever narrative you want. At the end of the day, fuck you, man. Like, it's LeBron. And and it's like, well, I mean, am I going to defend myself against this comment? Or offer some sort of argument as to why he's not right and it's like no i'm just i don't know i don't know who that is right it's like you know what everyone (laughs) who has even a cursory knowledge of basketball knows who kobe bryant is Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that have never heard of rajah bell (laughs) and they watch games every night you know like what's what's awesome is that uh last night i was watching i don't know some sports channel or and they were obviously talking about you know kobe but uh they had someone on the phone that was going to offer some some comments, and it was Rajah Bell. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen Rajah Bell talk about Kobe in recent years, yeah. and he's very respectful and reverent. Oh, of and, you know, He was just a competitor. He's just competing. Yeah, he was trying yeah. to get in his... It wasn't like anything... It wasn't personal like Disrespectful that. Or, no. or anything like that. It was just like... Hey, you know, we're competitors. Right. If you're going to say something, then... Rajah okay. Bell's a man, too. You yeah. know what I mean? He, I mean, he is. Like, you yeah. can't he can't be afraid of him or whatever. So, of course, he's going to say those things and think those things. Yeah. But that, but that was like... I mean, since then, I have just told people whenever they're upset about someone else talking trash about him or whatever, it's like, just Kobe him, dude. Yeah. It's like, who are you? Like, I don't even know you. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Like, yeah. because, I mean... In in the game, when you're playing, I mean, you're not thinking about who this other person is. No. I mean, it's just like... They're A just, body in front of you. Yeah, they're just keeping you from doing what you're trying to do. And, well, in his mind, he's not going to do that, so... Right. <laughs> Another one was around that same time, and this was probably... I want to say it was probably like 06, 07 was when this was all happening. It was around that same time... Um, a reporter walks in and says, again, like after practice or something, and asks Kobe, if if you could have a compliment from another NBA player, like, who could compliment you and it would mean the most to you? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing, right? Like, who among your peers would you be the most uh, proud of their admiration? Yeah. And Kobe, very unenthusiastically, very deadpan, just kind of looks up at her. And just goes, I mean, honestly, I don't really care about any of them. <laughs> like, and it wasn't like, like, he didn't deliver it with any sense of comedic timing. Like, he wasn't trying to zing. Yeah. Like, he really thought about it and then was just kind of surprised that she thought that that would be yeah. a thing that he would care about. It's like, I love you so much for that. Thank yeah. you. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not who I am because I've sought admiration. Right, from... because I hope Kevin Garnett compliments me. Yeah. <laughs> whatever yeah. whatever um and then probably and this actually might this might I don't know again like I said I don't know if I can have a favorite but this one I only learned about in more recent years um 
But there's a guy named Jason Williams who was drafted by the Bulls in like 2003 maybe Mm -hmm. and then got in a motorcycle accident, ended his career, and now he's an analyst on ESPN. So if anyone watches ESPN, you probably know Jay Williams, who he is or whatever. But um, he has a story, which I've shared before, but where he was talking... He was at he he was it was when he was in the NBA and they're playing the Lakers that night, so he shows up to the gym. I don't know how long. We'll say two hours. I don't know what it is. An hour, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think actually I think it was I think it was like actually three hours before the game, because his plan was to get a workout in and then recover a bit before the actual game started. Mm-hmm. So he goes into workout and Kobe's already working out, and so then Jay Williams is like, oh, all right, cool, whatever. So then he does his workout finishes, and when he gets there, Kobe's already in a full sweat. Like, Kobe's already been going at it for a while. Mm. So then Jason Williams finishes his workout and then sits down on the sidelines, kind of untying his shoes, whatever, getting ready to go to the locker room, looks down, and Kobe Bryant's still going. And he continues to work out for, like, another 30 minutes. And so they go their separate ways, they, they play the game, and then after the game, Jason Williams goes to Kobe and he's like, hey, man, like, why did you work out for that long before the game? Like, why did, like, how long did you go? Why did you do that? And Kobe said, I saw you down there and I wanted you to know that no matter how hard you work, I will always work harder than you. <laughs> and it's like the coldness of that, of that sentiment and that statement is mm-hmm. just like, it's just so good. Yeah. Like, it's just so good because it's not, it's not. I'm more talented than you mm-hmm. or I or just some arbitrary like I'm better than you or yeah. you'll never be as good as me none of that. Yeah. None of that. It's all what we can actually control, which is work. Mm-hmm. And I'll outdo you on that. Yeah. Now it turns out that Kobe is already more physically gifted than Jason Williams because yeah. he's six six or seven. Like I'm already better than you. But if you wanted to be better than me, you can't. You, there's no way. Right. You'll never catch me. <laughs> And it's brilliant. Yeah. But Kobe's credited, you know, with kind of passing that torch to the next generation. Because in 2008, he went to the Olympics with LeBron and D-Wade and Melo. Mm -hmm. And even though, I mean, 08 Kobe was the league MVP, so he was in his prime. But those guys were nothing of slouches at that point. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's widespread sentiment that he, because LeBron and D-Wade and Melo and those guys all said it, but that, like, they didn't really understand what a real work ethic looked like until they spent that time with Kobe. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, not that they didn't work out or something before yeah. then, but they just didn't understand, like, because LeBron is, you know, one Amazing. of the most elite players yeah. ever to play the game. You know, top five for sure, whatever you want to rank him, I don't care. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that he didn't understand like, cause Kobe's that same level of talent and it's like, yeah, but that alone isn't enough. Right. You got to do both to beat this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just love it. I, and I might've just stolen your favorite three, but did you have any, is there any story that pops to your mind at all other than, than those? Um, I, I thought it was funny that uh, I heard like a while back when uh, Kendrick Perkins was talking about 
guarding Kobe. Mm. And Kendrick Perkins is a, a big man. He's not supposed to guard Kobe. Right. But it was kind of later in his career. And Perkins likes to, I, I assume, joke around a lot or, you know. Right. But he actually switched out on Kobe. Right. And told Kobe, he's like, all right, I'm here. Let me see it. Almost challenging him. And uh, Kobe just looked at him and said, I'm going to snatch your other ACL because Perkins had torn his ACL in the past. Mm. And he's like, I'm going to do this move. I'm going to tear your other ACL if you're trying to keep up with me. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, it was in good humor. Right. But um, I don't know. I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like, the the best farewell game, at least for a basketball player, ever. Because his team was a losing... They were 17 and 65 that year. They were horrible. He wasn't playing well anymore. He had been shooting terribly. And actually still shot terribly in his last game. I think he took 50-something shots. Yeah. But he got 60, man. He did. He got 60. And and it was like a close game. It was to win. Yeah. And, it, you know, he gave him the, the Kobe magic yeah. for the last game. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was beautiful. I mean. And it was the only time I ever saw him look tired. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you could tell that this was it because it was like he was, like, panting. Yeah. Now, he wasn't quitting. No. I mean, there was no... No, you know, re- recoiling from that on his part or anything. He mm-hmm. was definitely, uh, definitely in it. And in his mind, he was probably 24 still. Yeah. You know, he was still Mamba or whatever. Yeah. But, but he looked exhausted. <laughs> but he still did it, man. He still, still hit those buckets when it mattered. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of help from his teammates, too. I'm sure they were like, it's your last game. Like, here, just keep passing them. Oh, well, and especially on that team. <laughs> Yeah. Because what, is Nick Young going to shoot tonight? I like, you better not. not. I hope not. I mean, we don't want you shooting the rest of the time. <laughs> you better not tonight, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Nick Young told a story about Kobe when they were in practice where Nick Young had broke his finger uh, and Kobe didn't believe him because <laughs> he thought Nick Young was just trying to sit out of practice. Yeah. So not only did he not believe him and insist that he practiced, but then practiced, practiced, <laughs> yeah. but then continued, but then would throw passes as hard as he could. The entire time. And when he was guarding Nick Young, would hit his finger as hard as he could over oh and over. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. And that was just, yeah. that's just who he was. That's what we're doing. Coming for you. Yeah. Well, he I was like, I've already played with a broken finger, so. Well, I won a championship with it. <laughs> yeah. My second in a row, actually. Where are you at, Nick Young? Swaggy yeah. P? Yeah. Not in the league. Right. <laughs> right. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I mean, Kobe was just, Kobe, I think, is, is someone who... I mean, has been an inspiration to me since I found out about him and, or since I, when I say found out about him, since I really became invested in him, um, I think he's someone that'll always be significant to me. Mm -hmm. Um, things I would check out if you haven't probably my favorite basketball thing I've ever seen is called Kobe doing work. Oh, that's yeah. That's so good. It, so what it is, is he, he, plays a game against the San Antonio Spurs and Spike Lee filmed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then the following season when when Kobe's playing the Knicks after the Knicks game, he goes to Spike Lee's studio or whatever and then sits with Spike Lee and explains the game that he had played against San Antonio that Spike Lee filmed mm-hmm. from his own perspective. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just, I mean, you just, I've just never seen anything like that. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that with that insider perspective. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um, also, Muse, which was the yeah. documentary he made right around the time he retired. That was good, too. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really, really good. And, man, I know he was going to make some more cool stuff. I know. You know he was going to make some more cool stuff. Like, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. And it's it's crazy because, like, LeBron James just passed him on, on Saturday night mm-hmm. for for points all time in the NBA. Right. And then, and like, and then they interviewed LeBron afterwards in the locker room. And it's almost like a eulogy that he delivers. Like, it's not. I mean, he's not talking about him being gone. Yeah. But he's talking very earnestly about how much Kobe meant to him as a kid growing up. And, like, how he looked up to him and, like, gave him some shoes when LeBron was still in high school. He went just to an all-star game and Kobe gave LeBron a pair of his shoes. Oh, and wow. Like, so, like, they knew each other from, like, the very beginning of LeBron's career and emergence. Yeah. And then eventually grow into competitors and then teammates again in the Olympics. And, like, and now LeBron obviously plays for the Lakers. And now he's... Pat- and so, it was this very, like, sweet, yeah, you know, um, kind of soliloquy about LeBron James... Or, excuse me, about Kobe Bryant from LeBron. And then the next morning, like... That's it, man. Uh, yeah, that's so crazy. So crazy. It's so crazy. But yeah, I mean, something I said at the very beginning that I don't know if I, I, I probably already elaborated on, but I'll just to, just to hit it one more time is like, I I still find myself a bit confused on how to react because I want I, I feel sad about it, mm-hmm. but I also recognize that like I don't know him. Yeah. And I and while I have an emotional connection to him, it wasn't personal because right. I don't actually know him. I know the, the personality that he sold to the world. Right. Right. And not in a negative way. I don't mean that he did something wrong, but just he's a celebrity. So he's going to have to give you something, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I didn't hang out with him <laughs> outside yeah. of that. Yeah. And I think in the, in the end years and, and like that podcast he was on with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, you start to get a window into the, who is the real Kobe Bryant away mm-hmm. from all of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I feel, I feel like I, like, like I almost feel like I have to, to manage my emotions with it because I can't let it swing too far Mm -hmm. because then it's almost like I'm like inserting myself into a tragedy that isn't really mine. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. But um, at the, at the same time, um, you know, we've drawn a lot of inspiration from yeah. from him, and so I don't know. In a sense, it feels closer. Um, yeah. Just because we've paid attention, you know, to to him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a famous. I don't know if you've ever seen this. There's a famous video on the internet at some college where. The professor tells the class that if some kid towards the back row can make a paper wad in the trash can, that they don't have to take their test or their final or whatever it is. Yeah. And he yells Kobe and hits it. Yeah. And the whole class. And it's like a big auditorium class. It's not like 20 kids. It's like 50 or more, you know? Yeah. And they all erupt and go crazy. And, you know, and it's just like, I don't know. It's just those kind of little moments with Kobe that are just, 
yeah. that you just love. Yeah. Like, he isn't there, of course, and involved, but, like, everyone knows what it means when you shoot your shot and yell Kobe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone knows what that means. Yeah, yeah. And Kobe was just one who, who just seemed to make it a lot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But... Well, thank you very much, man, for for joining and, and talking about this. I I, I I I really felt compelled to put something out, and I mean, this is one of the reasons that I like having this podcast is because I like that you and I get to make this and we get to participate in the conversation about that. Yeah, for not sure. just between each other because we both love Kobe mm-hmm. a lot. Like yeah. Kobe really, really meant something to both of us for a long time now, and I mean, like I mentioned Dame Lillard earlier, and it's like. I want to like Dame, and I mean, I don't yeah. have anything against Dame, Yeah, I but like, Dame. I mean, we've talked about it, it's like, well, could he be the next, like, Kobe, it's you like, know? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Dame, to Dame's credit, he does say and do all the right things. He, he's there. And that yeah. basket he hit last year against the Thunder was like, oof, that was very Kobe-esque. <laughs> yeah. That was very Kobe-esque. Yeah. With the wave uh-huh. and the stone face. Yeah. I think Derrick Rose might have been another contender for that space if he wouldn't have been riddled with injury. He was close. He was close, yeah. Because it's basically, you have to be dominant, but act like... And, and and it's clear that you care about it, because otherwise you wouldn't be that good. Mm-hmm. But the whole time, act like it doesn't... Like, it's beneath you <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This, like, feigned arrogance, almost. Right. That's... Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's like... When Dame hit that shot and did the wave, it's like, I just don't think Kobe would have waved, though. You know? I like the other team. Like, I don't know. I think he would have. Because it's it's kind of like when they when Phoenix said that Kobe had no heart. Because mm. they were doing the same thing I used to do. They were trying to say that he's all style and no substance. He doesn't really have any heart. He just shoots a lot. Oh, okay. You know? And then he beats them in the playoffs and then is ripping his jersey over his chest to, yeah. to expose his heart, you know, like, because that the reason Dane did it is because Westbrook was talking to him the whole time. Oh, that's right, I and Paul George. Part. Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like, if someone was talking about it. And then. like, the, the Thunder had won a game where they were clearly up, and Paul George, I think either I think ooped it, like caught an alley oop and dunked it, like mm-hmm. at the buzzer mm-hmm. when they were already up like ten. Yeah, and it's like. Why you got to do that? And he's like, still playing. Yeah. He's oh. like, oh, okay, you're cute now, huh? Yeah. I got you. So I feel like it was. I feel like it was appropriate. Okay. I yeah. feel like it was appropriate, and I thought the wave was good because he didn't say anything else. That's true. He just, bye bye. See ya. Yeah. Holla. Yeah. Um, anyway, again, thanks for stopping by and, and talking about Kobe with me, man. Uh, like I said, I think he'll be with us always, and uh, I'll send us out with a Kobe.
that is going to do it for today's show, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Chris Crabtree, for stopping by and talking about Kobe Bryant with me. Uh, thank you, Misha Zarens, for providing the music for today's show, as well as all the shows, just just like you always have. Um, and thanks to Kobe Bryant for being someone who is a lot of fun to be a fan of and uh, someone who uh, definitely left a, a mark on the world and, and is an inspiration for a lot of people you know, just all around the world. Um, I will also say if you enjoy listening to me and would like to also hear about video games, you can check me out on the other podcast, which is Pick Up Your Sticks. It's co-hosted by me and Brett Lindley, and it's all about video games. Uh, We talk about why gaming matters. So you can find Pick Up Your Sticks anywhere where podcasts are available. And yeah, appreciate the listen. Have a good week.